but I felt the spirit so strong and even more importantly I felt God's love I felt God's love to the point where I was literally shaking I my body was not convulsing but I could barely walk I was crying like I couldn't stop crying I was crying for probably an hour and a half one of my group was probably like looking at me like what's wrong with him <laughs> but it's because God had given me a glimpse of his love and helped me realize that like that glimpse of his love that was too powerful almost too powerful for my mortal body helped me realize that one um love is a real power that's not just something fake and two i had the strong impression that that's not even a fraction that's barely even a portion of his love for me just for me if even a tiny little portion of his love just for me it makes my body almost fall apart because my body can't handle it. Imagine how much love he has for me. And if he has that, and then I have the impression if he has that love for everybody. So if he has that love for me and he has that love for everybody, it just is amazing how much he can love. And I always try telling people that I'm a witness now. I'm a living witness because I felt that, that God has so much love for you that no matter what you do, it can't change. You just heard from one of my really good friends who has honestly become like a brother to me over the last five months or so. His name's Lincoln Lyons, and he starts his mission next week in just five days, and he has a lot of great things to say. He's experienced a lot of things in his life. He's done a lot of things. He's worked really hard to get to where he is, and I think he has so much things that you can learn from that he says in this podcast um it was an honor to graduate alongside him he's a great kid he loves he's he's really good at bringing the spirit and he really wants the spirit in his life as much as possible in this conversation we talk about a lot of things but ultimately i want you to think about the principles that we talk about as i was hearing him talk and just thinking about everything we had talked about so far, I really felt the Spirit confirmed to me that those principles are right. Some of the things we talked about were following the counsel and rules from your parents and especially from God and the gospel. We talked about missions. We talked about feeling God's love. At the beginning of it, we talked about music a lot, which I think is valuable. Even if you don't play an instrument or anything, I think there's really good principles in there of the hard work and maybe, you know, in Lincoln's case, he did things a lot differently and now he's an amazing piano player and, you know, it's just he's done it in a very different way than most people do it and it's kind of made him unique and able to play in his own special way. And we talked a lot about friends and what he had to do in order to really feel like he was... He had friends that were close to him and who were strong. And I think it's really awesome. I think you'll feel the spirit if you listen with an open heart. And, you know, I think that's ultimately what you can take away from it is just feeling the spirit, remembering how you felt. And, you know, we talked also about the joy of life, what what brings real joy. And that's acting like the Savior, following God's commandments and you know it's it's a lot more than that but it 
it can be boiled down pretty simply to that. And so I really hope you enjoy. Lincoln is awesome. He's heading to Sweden on his mission, and I'm sure he's going to have amazing experiences and touch many people's hearts. So I've loved getting to know him over the past few months and can't wait to see him again in two years. So, um, yeah, this is episode 36 of the podcast. Please enjoy. Uh, Just so you know, soon I'm going to be starting this thing where I do kind of a best of thing. I believe I'm going to do three parts where I take like five to ten minutes from each of my podcasts and put it into a big one. Um, And I'll split that into like three separate parts of people I've interviewed, basically. And then I'm also working on a video that I'll post to YouTube and I'll probably put the audio on my podcast as well that has some of the best like 30 second or one minute clips from all of my guests. So I think I think it I think it can be powerful and I'm really excited. I'm going to interview a few more people before I get off on my mission. And I actually um, my bishop was asking me if he could interview me once. So I think that might be cool. And I think that's going to happen soonish so look out for that i guess um (laughs) all right let's get to the conversation all right lincoln how's it going i'm it's going great (laughs) awesome um so can i just ask you to introduce yourself first yeah sure as we start so i'm lincoln and i feel like the crowning characteristics about me is that I like playing basketball, I like playing the piano, I like doing math, and I like people, Yeah. I guess. I like the things about me that people would see when they first meet me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love music probably most just because it lets me share my experiences with others, but it also lets me understand my own experiences. Mm-hmm. If I'm having a hard day, I can just plop down on the piano and just start playing, and then all of a sudden my brain starts working, and... I can kind of, the way I explain it is when I'm playing the piano, I put emotion into the music I'm playing. Mm -hmm. So then now I don't have to use that emotion when I'm thinking about it. And I can think about problems from an objective, um, logical view. Oh, that's cool. So are there like certain instances, I don't know, in specific where you feel like you've been able to really tap into that? Um, the... The best example I can think of is about a year and a half ago, I think. I'm not sure, but okay. it was after it was a day after work, and I had an ADHD kid in the center. So, for you guys, I taught math for two years at Mathnasium of Linden, and so I had... I taught kids from kindergarten age up to seniors in high school. I also taught a few adults, like 23-year-olds and 35, a 35-year-old. But okay. those were really rare cases. But it, I really enjoyed it. But I had one day where I was teaching with the kid in the center who has a lot of energy. And well, not that kid, but one of the <laughs> kids who has a lot of energy. But then I also... Uh, some other kids had given me like a rough time and I was just completely dead didn't want to talk to anyone or anything I went and sat down on the piano and then I could just put all my frustration and anger into the piano and say I'm like because I felt horrible 
mm-hmm. and then I was able to think about life and think about, well, you know what, that kid probably was not. Yeah, <laughs> he probably just happened to have like some caffeine or something, and he wasn't. Because <laughs> I noticed that, especially with the kids who had a lot of energy, who gave us a lot of problems, they weren't trying to give us problems. They weren't trying to be me. They weren't like, um, Lincoln. I'm trying to make your day hard. They were just oblivious because they had so much energy, and they they're kids. Yeah. So I help it like getting rid of that emotion helped me think about it from that logical point, and realizing. Yeah, they weren't trying to be mean. They weren't... Yeah, so don't take offense. Just roll with it. They'll be better next time. Hopefully. Yeah. So you use music kind of as a way to, like, redirect maybe even, like, anger and stuff. Kind of. feeling that, yeah. Also, sadness. Yeah. Because, yeah. That's cool. I remember uh, one time in seminary, I think we wrote down, like, ways that we feel the spirit. And didn't you put something like music? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. How long have you been playing? So, I feel like that's a trick question. So, (laughs) I've been playing since I can remember, so I think like five or six. But I showed a lot of promise. And so my brother's, my older brother's piano teacher came over and said that she wanted to teach me because I showed promise. So, about eight to nine is when I had uh, a real piano teacher. But... That structured learning where I had to learn something and I had to practice it turned me completely off from piano. (laughs) After about a year and a half or maybe two years, my piano teacher moved away and my mom did not enroll me again because I wasn't going to have it. Mm -hmm. I was done with piano. And so she just, my mom was just patient and made me play a hymn a day. She said, not a day, a week. Like, learn one every week? Uh, so, she focused on sight reading. So, she said, just play through a hymn once mm-hmm. a week. Even though you'll mess up a lot, just play through it once. So, I did that, and I hated it. And so, I think ninth grade, um, in December, or maybe a little earlier, I listened to Christmas music early, but <laughs> I was like, I need to play this, and I need to play this in church, so I practiced Silent Night. And it became fun for some reason. I'm like, wait, this is fun. So then I just started playing through other hymns and got them down. Even though I wasn't the best, I had still just had the basics of piano. But I just started playing. And then from there on, I taught myself. No one taught me, but I taught myself from like a really, really not. Yeah, I barely could play the piano then. And I taught myself all the way up to the point where I played in the musical chess. Mm-hmm. And like I had the day before the first performance. So two minutes before the final dress rehearsal, I was handed a new cut or a new insert <laughs> yeah. sorry, that had five sharps transposed to six sharps, transposed to three sharps to two sharps, just like all the sharps. And those <laughs> of you who play the piano know that six sharps and five sharps are not easy. And it was kind of like the whole entire note was like filled with notes. So it wasn't like really simple melody. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sight read that almost perfectly the first time. That's awesome. Which is so cool that I've been able to get to that point. Yeah. I, uh, like, with, so with chess, I played uh, the bass, just the upright bass. And, you know, my parts definitely aren't nearly as hard as yours. But, like, um, you know, I noticed that principle, like how you said, all of a sudden it became fun for you. Like, mm-hmm. once we played through that enough and, you know, we had like four rehearsals one week for hours after school and then we finally started getting into performances i'd say by like the second time i performed i was like 
there was there's nothing I would rather be doing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was having such a good time. Yeah, I love being in that pit. It brings back so many good memories. <laughs> and it, I think the reason why it was easier for me in that pit was just. So my mom like kept in, especially while I was teaching myself. So I'm basically self-taught. I had a few, like a year of structured lessons, but I don't really count that, because yeah. it didn't really help me much. But my mom was always there prodding me along. That's that's not the right word. Always helping me along. Always saying <laughs> yeah. I needed to, hey, let's let's improve. Let's do better. And she's always like, I the biggest thing with her, and this only mean anything to those of you who play the piano, but. She would always say, fingering, no, five, 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 because I would always get my pinky, and I just, so if I had, like, three notes in a row, I was too lazy to move my third finger up and to cross my third finger over to get up those notes, so I would just go pinky, 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 but (laughs) the thing is, is with piano, fingering is everything, so, like, a few things like that when my mom did, but then she also um, helped me put my focus on sight reading, Mm -hmm. so I haven't learned a piece since I played the piano with piano lessons when I was, like, eight. I haven't memorized a piece or gotten a piece perfect or like worked on a piece if that makes sense mm. because I've just focused on sight reading so I play a song through then I go to the next song and play it through and I mess up a lot but there's only like a certain level of music I can play and then eventually I try the higher level of music and then I can play that then I play that all the way through and I just keep it going and then eventually the easier levels that I skip past I now can play through almost perfectly because yeah. I have been focused on sight reading whereas chess was one of the hardest things I've played but I was able to sight read through lots of it yeah. but there were still some parts that I was just like end game part four I was just oh. <laughs> trying to get as many notes as I could in there and basically there were so many notes that I could play whatever note I wanted and it would work (laughs) yeah that's funny I was uh, yeah for some of those songs you know like we're not heard super easily like our basses and there was a bass guitar being played so like we were kind of covered over a little bit but like you know during some of those songs we would just kind of stop playing if we got completely lost or I found myself playing a lot of random notes and then I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe I should just not do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was also fun with chess to, what's it called? The rhythm wise. Yeah. I didn't realize like I had a gift for rhythm. Well, I noticed it in choir because there were a lot of times people couldn't get rhythms and I'm just like staring at the rhythm like, but that's easy. But I think that comes with me learning how to sight read because mm-hmm. I was talking to Miss Rhodes and Mary Pobans, the two pianists, the two keyboardists who were playing in the pit with me. So Miss Rhodes was the director, and she's an amazing pianist. And I was talking with her and Mary, and Mary said that she still doesn't really know how to read rhythm, and Miss Rhodes said that she didn't know how to read rhythm until college. Wow. And just because they never focused on sight reading so if they can't get a rhythm then they like go really slowly like they can read rhythm but they're like they have to go really slow and count it out mm-hmm. and i noticed the same thing with my sister she's a really good pianist but if she wants to get a rhythm and like there have been times like there's been like a really really tricky rhythm and i've been like working on it my older sister's like lincoln take it slowly i'm like but that's harder for me because <laughs> then i can't feel it yeah. because if i can go faster with the rhythm then i can not actually focus necessarily perfectly i can I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. But I also am super used to, because of sight reading, used to the notation, so I can read that rhythm really well. And I noticed that with chess, there was, like, um, the end game part one, it was, da-da-da-dun-dun-da-dun-dun-da-da-da-dun-dun-da-dun-dun. Yeah. 
and even Miss Rhodes was having a hard time with that. And I like felt like powerful in that <laughs> when I'm like, Miss Rhodes and Mary, just follow me. I got the rhythm. And then the, uh, Matt, the director, is just like, "Wow, Lincoln, you got that perfect." I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> that's <laughs> Thank funny. You. That's that's cool. How like you learned in a different way than normal, and then mm-hmm. it like really pays off now. Yeah, maybe that's just because it's not easy to teach someone in that way. Because like you just did it all on your own, right? You just sight read through things, and a teacher can't really like sit with you and sight read it the whole exactly. Time. So yeah. it's all. Even my senior year in high school, when I was the busiest, I still probably spent an hour and a half on average a day playing the piano. Oh, wow. Just because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. Because I kind of cheated and turned practicing into playing. (laughs) So I never actually practiced. Yeah. I just played. And the more I played, the better you get. And, like, there was a part... And, but the thing is, is also me, I like things being right. And I've learned to turn that off with like, one thing my dad said to me is he said, does it, does it really matter? And that's with a lot of things in my life. There have been a lot of times when I was a young kid, I would correct people all the time because mm. I like things being right. And the thing is, is with my intellect, most of the time I was right. So people couldn't get mad at me because I was right, even though I shouldn't have corrected them yeah. until my dad just told me like, does it matter? And so most things in my life that I want to correct, I realize it doesn't matter. But when I'm playing the piano, it's just me, so I can correct it if I want. Yeah. So, like, there are some times where I get a rhythm wrong, and, like, it just hurts me to the soul because I know <laughs> that it needs to be correct. So I, like, work on that rhythm. But it's not, yeah. like, because I'm practicing it because I, like, I need it to be right, but it's just because I want it to be right. Yeah. So you would have been fine probably, you know, like, not having all of those little bits perfect. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. But, like, there are some certain rhythms... Um, yeah, like there's this one rhythm I still can't really get, but I can, I can kind of fake my way through it. I can mostly get it. I was playing a song the other day that had this. Basically, it has <coughs> quarter notes, no, eighth notes at the same time you're playing tri- triplet quarter notes. So you're going, um, so like if you have one measure, it has, in the left hand it has eight beats, and the right hand it has six, and you have to be able to play them evenly both. Mm. And it's so... It's extremely complicated to play, <laughs> but yeah. it's so rewarding when you can get it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what was I was think was was I was thinking about? Um, <laughs> man, uh, like with chess, that was something I noticed. Um, was like how there's you know it's like this huge binder of music, right? And you're playing huge. for two and a half hours straight, <laughs> and like I noticed, I didn't enjoy most of it, honestly. Like if hmm. like most of it I was like I either couldn't play it or like it was just you know or I didn't play like in two or three songs we just didn't play at all the orchestra mm-hmm. but like when we got there were like a few just lines that would kind of repeat themselves or like a couple songs that just felt so good that I was like oh that's like the whole reason I'm here right <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like yeah. for me for press conference when I played the steel drums for like yeah. a page it was like <laughs> the most rewarding part of the whole song or like end game part two no end game part one I don't know yeah. one of the end games when I get to play the stars so like I just hold the notes and yeah. like you hear like the stars sparkling while everyone else like <laughs> stops playing and it's just me oh, like, oh yeah that's so rewarding that. yeah that's super cool <clears throat> but like yeah I don't know I feel like that's kind of what life is like though yeah. like most of it you know it's not this constant 
stream of like fun and joy and stuff like most of it is probably harder or there's not you know I don't know or you're like struggling through something or trying to get somewhere to some point but like just those little moments here and there like really make it worth it and then like there's also a really good analogy so there's this one song I can never remember the name of the song but it's ju- it was just Miss Rhodes and I playing so just two keyboards playing and she was playing like the melody like the kind of the accompaniment on the on the keyboard just she was just on the piano setting and then I was on the synth string setting is it him to chess no. no him to chess I don't play in no but or I didn't play in I'm not playing in <laughs> <laughs> but it was just the two of us and I was on these synth strings and so we were working together on the accompaniment but I was doing like this kind of like calm background like switching chords and like me with my fingers but there was one time I got so distracted by how pretty it sounded, I forgot I was one of two people playing. So then I wasn't looking at the music, and I kind of just, like, made up my own little part, which worked because I had, like, there were, like, two measures that I was still, like, remembered part of the music, and I was playing. And then I kind of just, like, stopped. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there are moments in life where we can we enjoy it so much that we forget that we need to keep it moving on. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you want to keep enjoying it, I guess you have to keep moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, oh, I wanted to talk a little bit with Chess just about, like, the circle that we joined in on. So it was, like, the last two nights. That I think they did it every night. They did it every night. I joined yeah. in, I think, the second night and then the last two. Yeah. So it was, like, they would just gather in a circle and everyone would like when it was like senior night they'd have like a bunch of the seniors say something Mm -hmm. yeah and so what did you think of that i thought it was really cool to see a lot of high schoolers be able to show emotion in a safe place Mm -hmm. and the fact that um it seemed i don't know i felt the spirit really strongly and it's so weird that i feel like lots of them didn't recognize that it was a spirit and I feel like that's common throughout our lives is lots of people feel the spirit but they don't realize they felt the spirit mm-hmm. um, I was actually just yeah I, th- I thought it was a really cool experience and yeah. I th- I wish I could go back to that <laughs> yeah and like after all you'd work through with those people I think that's what makes it really special like you know like I felt it was really cool to me but I can see how if I had been with them you know the whole year working on that like it would have been really special and if I had known them more and stuff and so and I think that's how it um you know it's supposed to be with like quorums and classes and church and stuff you know you've you're with a lot of those people as you Mm -hmm. grow up through that time and like now I'm feeling it with a lot of the guys in my priest quorum, especially those leaving on missions with me, like it's super powerful to realize all you've been through together and like what you've been able to do. That's interesting. I I don't know if I've experienced that because yeah. I've never. Yeah, this year there were actually ended up just being me and a girl from my ward who graduated. Another girl moved away, like, two weeks before we graduated. Mm. So you don't have a lot of people your age. Yeah, so the thing is, is the grade below me, there are, like, ten boys Mm. or more. And the grade above me were, like, 15 boys. It's just my grade didn't have any boys. So that's why I felt very lonely in my whole life up to high school. 
because I never had, I feel like lots of people have a friend in their ward. They have someone who they can at least have fun with. Yeah. Where I never had that. I did. Um, I guess there is one guy in my ward who's migrated, but he was homeschooled and he had his own group of friends and because he was homeschooled, he didn't actually, he wasn't able to interact with anyone else. Mm. So I was hard to interact with him. Just the yeah. fact that like life didn't like put us in the same group or anything like that. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't end up showing up to a lot of Corm activities, so I didn't see him there either. There's another guy in my grade, actually. His name was Adrian Kyle. And so he moved in with his grandparents just for one semester last year. And his grandparents just lived down the street from me, so they were in my ward. And it was so fun to have him because he was in my grade. And we, I would just go over to his house and hang out, and it was so fun. Like, it was the first time in my life I had someone that I could just, like, felt like they were supposed to be my friend mm. and it was just like super nice like his grandparents were like super like teasing me and everything like that and he's such a nice guy adrian and i loved being around him like he moved back to hawaii and then he came back up just for, for part of the summer last year and i like my brother actually went over to talk because he was close to his adrian's grandpa mm-hmm. and he went over to talk to his grand to adrian's grandpa and then afterwards I just felt like the prompting say to ask Adam how to ask Adam to ask his Adrian's grandpa how Adrian was doing and his grandpa said oh uh, he, he has a phone number now you can give that to Lincoln and then he also says said oh yeah and he's in town for the next like week and I'm like wait what he's in town <laughs> so I like I text him just like hey we got to get together in this last week so like I think the day before he left back to Arizona we went and hung out for a couple hours and it was really fun yeah that's awesome yeah that was really off topic but i don't know how I no you're fine we were <laughs> talking about friends and stuff and mm-hmm. wards but um that's one thing i wanted to ask you a little bit about you've talked to me about it before like how you it took you a while to get really good friends like and i feel like there's things that people can learn from your experience with that so what did that teach you and kind of what happened with that I feel like it's a common experience. I don't know. I've started to realize that when you don't have any friends, you're oblivious to all the rest of the people who don't have any friends. Mm. I was talking, I actually just went on a, yeah, I was talking with a friend a couple of days ago and they were talking about how they felt like they didn't have any friends in junior high. And I was like realizing like, I think not many people had friends in junior high. But those few popular kids who s- perceive to have friends, everyone thinks that is what junior high is supposed to be like. So then they feel down on themselves because they don't have friends. Whereas I don't even know if those popular kids actually feel like they have friends, but it's just kind of the way they interact with people. And so, but th- that was kind of the theme of my life throughout even elementary school. I didn't have a good friend in kindergarten, first grade, um, I had a friend, but they moved away. Second grade, I had a friend, but then he became not popular, but just, like, he was friendly to everybody, so he wasn't even... And it's not like... He's such a great guy, but, like, he spent time with other people also, so it wasn't just me, so I didn't really feel like I had a friend who wanted to be around me. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because if it's not from the same... Uh, how do I word this like perspective is you so like if I want to have like one really close friend but then that person wants to be friends with a bunch of people I don't feel like that person's really Mm -hmm. my like close friend but yeah 
Um, third grade, I had a few friends that I hung out with at recess, but I didn't like necessarily feel like they were good friends. And the thing is, I had some friends that I had some friends who were good friends at school, but none of them ever wanted to play with me. It's I guess is what you called the rec. <laughs> Maybe. But none of them ever wanted to do anything with me out of school. Fourth grade, I met a, I met a guy who was a great guy. His name was Ryan, and we became best friends. And like we like almost every single weekend, I'd go over to his house, or he'd come over to my house, and it was so liberating to have a friend. Fifth grade, the same thing. But the thing is, is he kept going out of town because his family takes vacations, so whenever he wasn't there, then I didn't really have anyone. Hmm. So I just kind of sit on. Sit by myself at recess until he came back in town, and then I'd play with him. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't know how to socialize. And the thing is, is my personality, like I said, I liked things to be right. So it was hard to have friends. Where I realize now, the good reason why I probably didn't have many friends is because I was always pointing out others' faults, mm. not on purpose. I wasn't yeah. trying to find things wrong with them, but I was, I was trying to make things right. And because I didn't understand that I was pointing out others' faults, then people kind of avoided me in a sense. Yeah. So, and, like, I guess since you didn't understand what you were doing, it made it, like, worse. Because, like, you'd probably do it more than if you were conscious of it, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it did Many people, many, many people came to me for help with math and stuff like that because they knew that I was going to be right. (laughs) But no one really wanted to like be my friend, and then in sixth grade I didn't have a class with Ryan, but we still hung out, so that was fun, and we still hung out at recess. So, yeah. But then I didn't have, I never had a single class with him after sixth grade, after fifth grade actually. So we kind of just stopped. It's kind of weird how much your classes determine your friends. Oh, but, like, we never had a class together, so then... Yeah. And the thing is, is I went more academic, and I don't actually know what he did, but he went another he went another track in, in junior high than I did, so then I all of a sudden, like, wasn't able to be friends with him. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Yeah. But just, we kind of stopped being friends. I still talk to him every once in a while. Like, he's going to be coming to my mission farewell oh, cool. in a couple of days, which is cool. Yeah. Like tiny bit of contact but not really much contact anymore um and then junior high I was partially because I was too self-centered about realizing that I didn't have friends because since Ryan actually most of the time with Ryan not most actually probably half the time I'd ask him half the time he'd ask me to hang out which is I feel like is healthy but then in junior high no one asked me to hang out Mm. I hung out probably Probably less than 20 times my whole the whole entire time in junior high. Mm-hmm. Less than 20 times I did something with friends. Probably like five. Yeah. Because I kept on waiting for others to ask me. And I felt like I was a burden on others when I asked them. So I'd ask one person. And then I would have somewhat fun. But I'd just somewhat... I'd have some fun. But I'd feel like I was just annoying them. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest part with me is I want people to be happy. So I feel like my presence is annoying and at least I think that's just a lie Satan told me that I bought it. <laughs> yeah. So I never asked anyone to hang out because I didn't want to do that. Tenth grade probably would have been the same. I had a few friends. Um, we'd eat lunch together, play chess because I didn't know how to be social, so I was just a nerd. <laughs> um, 
and then I got to and then in math second semester there were these two girls named Jocelyn and Chris who made the biggest difference in my life because they saw something in me they saw a social butterfly in me that <laughs> no one had ever taken time to look at before or I never even thought was possible and second semester I got sat next in between them <laughs> at a table and it was just the three of us at the table is this in 10th grade this is 10th grade math and they would not leave me alone <laughs> they would be teasing me like crazy and the thing is is I have spunk in me but like it took a bit to get out I remember once I'm going off on tangents but I remember once in ninth grade I was in metals class and one person just like starts like kind of teasing but like does like a jibing insult I think at me and but I was like it was like a friend thing so like I was close enough to him that I was able to realize that it was I I was able to not take it as an insult and as a joke so then I was able to throw something back at him and then we kept going back and forth but I was just like going fast and I was using my wit and I was like destroying him <laughs> and another one of my friends well kind of like another person who had known me since all my school was just like Lincoln I didn't know there was this side of you yeah that's funny but like I'd only like ever seen that side of me like once yeah and then but they saw that and then eventually they drew that out so then I would just like they would like tease me and I'd like tease him back way harder and I'd be able to like and like that like provoked that like not provoked but that like made them want to tease me more because they like I guess they liked being um comebacks comebacked mm -hmm. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but um but they made the biggest difference in my life and then also I met my friend Dallin who wanted to be around me it was weird like I remember I actually still distinctly remember my mom was like can you hang out yeah it was still at the point where my mom was telling me to hang out because she ne knew I needed to get out of the house and my senior year was not that way but <laughs> my yeah. mom was like stay in the house <laughs> <laughs> um but she's like Lincoln you need to get out of the house you need to hang out with someone and I'm like thinking well that person probably not I call them no answer call them nope they're busy nope they're busy starting to doubt like are they really busy or is just like, me they don't want to hang out or something like that but then I just met Dallin in seminary and I'm like you know what this kid's kind of cool and I somehow got his number I'm not sure how I got his number but I somehow got his number and I like texted him like hey do you want to hang out and he's like sure I go over and we, I think we just like threw a ball back and forth yeah and like it's just the fact that I like had a friend who like actually like and then like he wanted to hang out again I'm like wait what <laughs> and then because he was super social he helped me start getting into social groups yeah and then I met Remington who boosted that up because he's like became student body president he was like yeah. that level of popular but also like the most down-to-earth guy you'll ever meet no, he's, yeah he's super cool um but yeah so meeting them having those experiences helped me get friends 10th grade I was starting to get friends yeah. starting to become more social but I still wasn't the most social and then COVID happened Wow. It was hard. I had just barely finally gotten out of myself. Finally gotten out of my bubble. Finally stopped caring about what other people thought about me. I still thought a little bit, but not much. 
and then COVID happened. I wasn't allowed to be. My parents are very, they love to follow rules because they feel like that's the best way to show Heavenly Father that they are going to care. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so we had to follow the rules. And I understand it. I feel like it's very important to follow the rules. But it can be annoying sometimes. <laughs> the fact that I wasn't able to get out of the house because that was what was guided. So I was stuck in the house. I, I have a wood stove and we had a bunch of wood, unchopped wood. So I spent countless hours out there chopping wood. I redid part of my garden. I gardened a lot. I grew a lot of vegetables and picked a lot of fruit and thin and stuff like that. I almost completed a whole entire wooden model that took a good 70 plus hours. Dang. I also read probably over 20,000 pages of of books. That's crazy. Something like that. So I was just kind of secluded and didn't, I worked on a lot of projects, but I never interacted with anyone because you have to do something during that time. Yeah. Yeah, because I like read through the whole entire Stormlight Archive series and the Inheritance series and like five <laughs> other series that are also really long. Probably not 20,000, but at least 10,000. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I decided that I didn't like that. I didn't like being by myself. And then school's going to start up again and we're going to be lucky to be able to be back in person even though we were going to wear masks. And I decided... I have one year. One year isn't that much in my life. Yeah. I'm not going to care what people think about me. It was such a hard decision, but such a conscious decision to make. I'm not going to care what people think about me. I'm done. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to include others. I'm And I'm going to be a friend to as many people as I can. And there will be times when I'm going to fail. I'm going to be very awkward. But I don't care, and I'm just done with this. So, it was so so hard for me sitting down in class first day someone I don't know starting up a conversation with them yeah hardest thing (laughs) but I told myself I'd do it yeah I'm like you know what I don't care what they think about me and the thing was is COVID kind of made people forget forget so lots of people forgot that I had been a nerd and the thing is you avoid nerds I feel like lots of people avoid nerds so that's also part of it is because I'd kind of given myself that just because I'm good at math and I like it, everyone just put me as a nerd. Where I feel like a nerd is someone who actually is socially awkward, which is what I was. But then I decided I wouldn't be socially awkward. And I made that. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So COVID helped in that way. But then I like, I don't even remember, but like especially like seminary, I didn't know a single person in my class. I actually, okay, I vaguely knew one girl and one guy, but not really. I knew their names and that's it. But... I just sat down and I just start talking to a new person. It was so weird, so awkward, so hard. <laughs> and I made so many friends because I learned this last year that ha- having friends isn't about how many people like being around you. It's about how many people you like being around. Hmm. And it's so weird to think about that because if you make the conscious effort to appreciate someone and like them and want to be their friend then they'll start liking you and they'll start wanting to be around you because they feel because they also have that same need that you have you have that need to feel wanted so if you help others feel wanted then they'll strive for that and they'll always want to be around you because they love that feeling yeah so i've noticed that when i want a friend if i ever feel lonely and i 
I'm in a situation like I went on a family vacation up to Aspen Grove and I didn't know anyone and there were it's just like a big camp where there were a lot of people and I didn't know anyone but I wanted a friend so I just became a friend of people and then all of a sudden I had a bunch of friends <laughs> which is really something that and now I can do but I couldn't yeah. do before yeah so yeah that's kind of my friendships I I didn't really have any good friendships but this year I can't made so many yeah wasn't uh, you've described it to me a few times so like kind of the overarching principle of all that was like you decided not to wait for people to become your friends but you decided Mm -hmm. you were going to be a friend to them right uh something that reminded yeah something that i was reminded of is back in junior high when i was waiting for people to call me my dad said lincoln you should people are doing the same thing as you they're waiting for people to call them i guess back then it was kind of calling but yeah. Like <laughs> ask, ask them to, to hang out. I'm like, but isn't that so awkward? And I forgot about that. I didn't follow. It. I didn't follow that advice. Yeah. But the advice to reach out to people. So I was able to realize that people are just wanting to be reached out to. And then this year. So last, it's kind of funny. Last year in eleventh grade, I guess eleventh grade was kind of two years ago now, but eleventh grade, um. I still didn't get to the point where many people asked me to hang out. Maybe once. Most of it was me asking people to hang out. But I'd gotten past that point and realized that I think they enjoy hanging out with me, even though I'm the one asking. And then I got to 12th grade, and because I had been doing that for such a long time, then I started having people ask me out. Or not ask me out. <laughs> I, started, I started having people ask me to hang out. Yeah, yeah. Or just like this one guy, I didn't, I didn't even feel like we were necessarily like that close of friends like we sat next to each other but then he just like texted me he's like Lincoln do you want to do a double date and like I'm like wait what okay yeah definitely we did a double date it was super fun and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden like we became better friends because I'm like wait a second he actually wants to be my friend like he reached out to me yeah which was really cool so I think one uh I'm trying to think of how this applies with everyone like I guess everyone has like a different need for friends <clears throat> and also like everyone you're gonna have a different relationship with people so i was listening back on some of my first uh podcasts i listened to my one with nicole holden and she talked about how like there's some people who you're gonna be really close friends with some people who you like see not very often and you're able to connect with and then some people who you just kind of like wave at and say hi to and like i've kind of realized that like i have to not everyone because I really strive for really close strong friendships and not everyone wants that and so like I kind of have to be accepting of if someone doesn't want to get that close to me you know I have to and if they don't want that that's you know that's totally okay too and I uh it was funny I was talking to someone about uh like dating people and stuff and I was like I should be able to just because like you know there's not a lot of girls I know super well or whatever and I was thinking like I should be able to just go ask a girl out who I don't know super well right like dates you get to know people but it's still hard no yeah I know and it's like it's hard but like I kind of and she kind of pointed out if that person's not okay with that then maybe that's not the kind of person you want to be around anyway and so like it applies with friends it applies with relationships like you can't pretend to be someone you're not because that's not like sustainable right and so you have to find a way to 
I don't know, you just have to be who you are. And like with a lot of my friends, like for some reason, I'm like the designated planner of things. <laughs> like <laughs> no one else will say anything. And that, yeah, and our group yeah. friends until you wrote me in and then now I helped. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like we'll go weeks without hanging out and I'm like, does someone want to do something? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're free. I'm like, why didn't anyone say anything? And it's kind of like. And so, like, that kind of made me wonder, like, okay, so do you guys even want to hang out? And usually it seems like they do. So it's kind of like you have to feel around. You have to be willing to experiment with things mm. that are somewhat awkward, right? Yeah. I guess if I'm trying to apply this to people, I just basically say my biggest, under, my biggest like, aha moment, I think that not, one teacher says that, so that kind of – sorry, that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, was – I need to stop trying to understand people and I need to just focus more on accepting them because I love understanding. That's why I feel like I thrive so well at school and my teachers love me so much is just the fact that if there's something that I learn, I want to understand it. So I'm going to raise my hand, ask the teacher why or what exactly can you explain that one more time so i can just like get a better grasp of that i always am striving to understand it that's probably why i do so well on tests it's just because i don't learn the material i understand the material mm. so i spend the time understanding like in calculus i didn't have a problem at all probably partially because my brain automatically is really good at math yeah second is because i strive to understand it so if there's something so i can break apart things and i understand why it happens so that i can get to the answer a lot quicker Whereas other people don't know how to get to the answer because they don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. But I tried applying that to people and saying, so why is this? Like, I don't know, but like trying to understand someone. Like, for example, like someone who has like a tattoo, I would try like being like, so why do they have a tattoo? Or like, so why did they make that decision? But then I like have learned to realize that like, okay, they have a tattoo. That doesn't change who they are. <laughs> yeah. So let's have fun with them. I, like, noticed that, like, someone was talking to me about how, like, she was shunned. Not shunned, but, like, friends started ignoring her because she got her second uh, pair um, second pair of piercings hmm. on her ears. And, like, I'm just going to, like, nod my head. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then because I had gotten to the point where I didn't need to understand, that's not something that, like, like I wasn't yeah, – I was just looking for her as a friend. So mm -hmm. I feel like the difference also there is, like, if I'm, like, going on a date and I'm, like, actually interested in someone – then that's something that I would care about, and I would try to understand it. Yeah. But, like, I w don't think I would be interested in her. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I can't <laughs> see it. Yeah. But I wasn't trying to be interested in her. I was just trying to be a good friend. So when she told about, told me about that, I'm just like, oh, cool, because I don't need to understand that. Mm -hmm. That's her own decision. I don't, I'm not any part of that. That's her and God who were actually really part of that decision. Yeah. Which actually brings me to a point every decision you make isn't your decision it's yours and god's decision meaning you need to i guess you have free agencies so you're allowed to make decisions actually not just allowed but you can make decisions but you should you have the responsibility to have god in your decisions with you and you always hear that people saying yeah just leave that up to them and god but i feel like that's so real and people don't realize it but mm -hmm. you need to leave that up to god yeah, <laughs> you need people who, when you make a decision yourself, <clears throat> you need to look towards God and say, "What has God been saying here?" Because I notice so many things that are happening in the world right now. I'm like, why is this happening? Like, for example, like transgender and gay, like guys, like now guys can join guys who are 
transgender as girls can join girls sports teams girls who are transgender as boys can join boys sports teams or like they can now go into now whatever gender you're identifying as you can go into that restroom and things like that seems so mind-boggling to me i'm like what is up with this like why are these decisions making and then i had the I don't know if it was like a prompting or something I just did. I kind of removed a God from the situation for a second. And I thought about it. I thought, they're trying to be inclusive. They're trying to, I guess it kind of makes sense. They're trying to make it the same thing as like, it's kind of coming at the same time as like being like, like what's it called? Being accepting of races and not not judging based off of race or anything mm-hmm. like that. And they're trying, trying to do the same thing with gender. Which I understand, I which I agree with both of those. Yeah. But then they're starting to do it with, like, letting people who feel like other gender be that, and they're trying to be accepting, and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. But that's when I removed God from the situation. When I put God back in the situation, then all of a sudden, even though it may seem like you're including others, those are their own trials, and they're going to have to deal through those trials. And God is rooting for them. God's on their side. He's helping them through. But they need that trial for some reason that maybe they even don't know, but only God knows. Yeah. But um, it's not something that we necessarily need to be accepting of because God has told us that marriage is between man and woman in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change. That's just like the same thing as if I have this ball and I drop it, it's going to fall to the ground. Yeah. But people throw it up. And you're like, I guess this is kind of an analogy. People throw the ball up. Okay, so it's, you're throwing it up, but once it comes, once it like goes into actual, like once it like leaves this worldly life and goes on to heaven, it's gonna drop to the ground still. It's kind of an analogy. I don't yeah. know if that fully <laughs> makes sense. No, the same thing. People are like, oh, so guys can get married and girls can get married to themselves. On Earth, shouldn't it be the same in heaven. But no, it's it's not like God's like saying no, I don't like you guys, so I'm just going to set this rule, or I'm just going to set this rule for random reason. It's just the way it works. There's yeah. no... And people are going to have attraction for the same gender. That's... I believe that's a real... Yeah, I think it's real for a, sure. a real trial, but that's like a trial for them to help them grow. Yeah. There's some way that it'll help them, like... And people who are... Who... Uh, who are, like, going through those struggles and who make decisions... They're not stuck. They can still turn towards God and repent, and still they can still yeah. make good decisions. So, yeah. Yeah, and like I, I'm just what's coming to mind for me is like the way we treat those people, and we don't fully understand what's going on. Is just you know you're supposed to look toward the Savior for the example, right? Mm-hmm. So just like the how the Savior being, treat them. Yeah. So like being the example to them, and like just showing your light to them, and being completely including like it's just it's interesting the way um god basically made it so that nothing good really comes from being angry with people or anything like that like it all goes back to acting like jesus Mm -hmm. that's so amazing how listening to scriptures and saying prayers and listening to spiritual music can make your life so much better i've learned that example from my dad there's not much there isn't much hard music in my house actually we don't listen to popular music at all in my house (laughs) like the hard music in my house is all like 80s music that's not even hard but that's like when we're like doing yard work or something like that 
and we always make sure the lyrics are clean and everything like that and we call it more just like um more i don't know i forgot more like um active music music you can do like that um upbeat that's what we call it. we mm, call it like yeah. upbeat music but we don't listen to any rap we don't listen to anything that um so one thing my dad's always told me is you need to check the lyrics of a song but then songs also can be bad not just because of lyrics but based off of the beat interesting because um there are some beats and a lot of popular songs most popular songs i feel nowadays have that beat to it and have that it's so weird to think about, but you, if you are li- close to the spirit and you pay attention to it, you can notice that that drives away the spirit and it makes you think thoughts that you don't want to think. Even though the words are clean, the be- the music isn't. And it's so weird to think about that. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. And I feel like lots of people my parents' age think all music nowadays, because it has a little bit of a heavier beat, is like that because they are attuned to that. So they all avoid it all. But I think it's really cool how the church has come out with new, like, youthy music that has some heavier beats to it. Mm-hmm. But the church is putting it out. And to think about how it has a heavier beat, but it isn't driving away the spirit. But if you focus, there are lots of songs that have a heavier beat that aren't driving away the spirit. Because I don't know how to, there's no way to, there's no way to explain it. But it's just the way it makes you feel. Yeah. And if, and I feel like lots of people aren't attuned to how songs make them feel. And so in my house, lots of the times, like my dad, when I was left the house this morning to come here, my dad was listening to a guy named John Kanan, who I'm started to listen to, who's just basically takes church songs and sings them or just makes his own songs that just talk about God. Yeah, that's cool. And most of the time in my house, I'm list- we're listening to spiritual music. And lots of people wouldn't understand that. But if you walk into my house, you've been into my house once. Mm-hmm. Did you notice there's a spirit in there? Yeah. People say that all the time. There's a spirit in my house. And I don't notice it. Because like I've, you're so, yeah. I've <laughs> Just been in my house my whole life, if that makes sense. Yeah. But that's because, yeah. Um, that's the reason why my parents don't allow PG-13 movies. Because they're not saying that all PG-13 movies are bad. But... They want the spirit in my house so much that they have that they want to draw the line somewhere. They want to draw the line so that, <clears throat> yeah, they're saying they're not saying like there are some PG thirteen movies that probably be perfectly fine to watch. Yeah, but they need to draw the line so they can have a clear way to keep the spirit in the house. That's because cool. if they don't draw a line, then you might see a movie that might be okay, but it might have a little bit something wrong. And then you watch another movie that might be a little bit more. And then eventually you're watching movies that drive away the spirit. Mm-hmm. That's media is like one of my mom things my mom says drives away the spirit the most. So my mom, parents have been willing to sacrifice, say, PG-13 movies. Not all of them are bad, but we're willing to sacrifice watching all the good ones so that we can avoid the bad ones and keep the spirit in our home, which yeah. I think is super cool. And it has been really annoying growing up because <laughs> there have been a lot of rules that I haven't wanted to follow. But it's been really cool to see the fruits of those decisions yeah so it is interesting like there's a lot like in the church and stuff there's so there's a lot of you know rules and stuff um but like it really does and there's a lot that's kind of left up to us to decide where the lines are drawn and it is interesting how if you you know you can avoid a lot of bad stuff um if you just set some barriers and stuff and uh I did a podcast with someone named Matt Stockwell in my ward, and he was talking about following 
the rules in the missionary handbook just like with exactness like make sure you do all of it exactly and it was just because I, I don't know I guess unless you have the experiences you can't really understand what will come of it but like there's so many things that it will d keep you from harm basically right it'll keep your mind clean it will help you avoid situations that are tempting or something mm -hmm. like that so I think that's one thing to remember there are a lot of rules but um think about what you can do you know in the scope of those rules there's probably more than you realize that you're actually allowed and able to do that you can express yourself and your talents and something like that but like yeah I mean a lot of rules from parents are usually for your good so like I don't know hold true to those for sure and um, one thing that I guess just made sense to me yesterday so I went to the temple for myself and got my endowments yesterday and it's open knowledge that you like if you go on any of the church websites you'll see that one of the covenants you make is the covenant of sacrifice so I can say that yeah consecration the, so there are multiple so one of them yeah. is the law of consecration to follow one of them is the law of I don't know if it's the law of sacrifice or basically you're covenanting to sacrifice mm -hmm. and I think I just barely realized that an application of that that my parents have taken is there are like I'm just going to go with movies but it, there are so many more, more other things they've done but movies is the best I feel like the most clear way to express it but there are so many movies you have no clue how many times people have started talking about a movie actually I was on a date and my date and the other guy and his date all start talking about some movie that they've watched for probably a solid 20 minutes and I felt so awkward <laughs> you hadn't, because yeah. I never heard anything about that that movie and I'm just kind of like sitting there just eating my food and trying to add to the conversation but I can't really because I don't understand it and those moments like that I hate and they hurt really really bad because I just feel like I'm on this date shouldn't she be talking to me and I know like it's like most of the time on a double date like you start talking as a group and like she was trying to include me but she just didn't realize I hadn't seen the movies yeah but there have been there, and that sacrifice right there and there will be times like that my parents many many times have had hard times because they had to walk out on a, a movie because even though it might not have been a bad movie, and we're not judging anybody, if that makes sense. Lots of people say, oh, you're just judging people because it's a PG-13 movie. But I don't think watching a PG-13 movie is bad. I don't think that. And I feel like there are so many good PG-13 movies out there. So if someone watches a PG-13 movie, I'm not going to judge them. Our movies, I'm not going to judge them, but we've been asked by the prophets not to watch those. But um, it's just... We've sacrificed watching all of those good movies that are rated PG-13 because we don't, because we want to avoid the bad movies so we can stay close to God. Yeah. So that law of sacrifice is being able to be being willing to sacrifice and give up things that might have been enjoyable, so that we can avoid bad things, hmm. and also so that we can get closer to heavenly Father. I feel like that should be the goal in life, and many people don't realize that. Yeah. But the goal of life shouldn't be to enjoy life the most. It should be to get as close to Jesus as you can and become like him. And, but, you know, I, ironically, that is how you enjoy my life the exactly. most, right? Because <laughs> once you start, 
I feel like once you make a step and realize that being like Jesus is so rewarding. Yeah. Lifting others up. And a lot of it has to do with the, you know, you have to have Christ-like patience and stuff. And a lot of that joy doesn't come till a while, you know, of seeing, you know, just what happens based off of what you do and the rules that you follow. So, yeah, it takes a while to get to that point, but I think it's so worth it. Like, there's a joy and like a, you know, it feels really good to be worthy, you know, to enter the temple, all those types of things. Like, it's something you can't really explain to someone. People just have to experience it for themselves. Yeah. And I've, uh, just as we've been talking, I think I've noticed an occurring theme of, like, that uh, that sacrifice principle. Like, you've gained a lot in your life by will- being willing to, you know, maybe even the situations are awkward sometimes because you can't talk to someone about something. Or you try to talk to people who you wouldn't have talked to before, you know? So, like, it is interesting, like, you've, a lot of what you've become and the joy you've been able to feel in your life is because you've been willing to put some of that, you know, that comfort aside, basically, right? I remember, uh, actually, just a couple months ago, I was going through a really, really hard time. I don't even, I have no clue what the hard time was. I don't, I can't even think of it. But, that doesn't matter. I was still having a hard time. And... I thought about my future life and I thought about how much more I'm going to have to go through. And I'm like, God, why? Why do I have to have some... Well, can't I just have a time of peace and rest like where I don't have to worry about anything? And I just had the strongest prompting. Then you're not improving. He's like, don't you want to be like me? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Like, I didn't, I didn't know where he was going with this. He's like, don't you want to be like me? I'm like, yes. Then he's like, why? Then you have to have these trials. Yeah. These trials, you can't become a better person without trials. Mm-hmm. It's just like getting it. I love the analogy of the blacksmith. If you get a rod of metal and you want to turn it into like a rose, it won't become a rose by sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the hammer hits, all the furnace and everything like that, those are necessary for it to become that rose and those are going to be so painful of course metal doesn't feel pain but (laughs) (laughs) yes like in the analogy in our lives it's so painful and the thing you can take rests and there will be times like let's say you're in the furnace and you need to cool down a little bit before hitting i don't that actually i don't know if that works but (laughs) there will be times in your life where things seem easier Mm -hmm. and that's become that's become let's try this again that's because you've become a better person. That's because, or that's what I was, I remember what I was going to say. The most, one of the most rewarding parts of my life was, um, so I feel like it's the natural man in us to, if someone insults us and is mean to us, to jive back and to be mean to them back. One of the most rewarding times of my life, it was a couple years ago, and my little sister just being a sibling jibed at me and said something kind of rude to me expecting like a something back and I was kind back it was so weird (laughs) like I had worked at that and worked at that and I was kind back to her I was like she said something mean to me and I was just like kind and just kind of forgot about it and went on and I just thought this is so liberating this is so 
so happy, brought so much joy to me that I was able to make that improvement and to not drive back at her and just to love her. And that brings me to another experience, if you don't mind me sharing. Yeah. I shared this with you, and I feel like I'll share it. Um, at a time where I did something innocently, and it got someone frustrated close to me. I was completely innocent. I wasn't trying to hurt them at all, but they got hurt, and they let go on me. And they are close to me, so they know how to hurt me. So they were just saying countless things, getting up in my face, like, so close that, like, their spit was getting on my face. And, like, because they were, like, yelling at me, and they were so mad at me, like, trying their hardest to hurt me. But I just spent the last hour and a half serving, and while I was serving, listening to the Book of Mormon. And then afterwards, at that time when they came to me, I was listening to... um. I was listening to hymns, BYU vocal point rend- uh, renderings of hymns. Yeah. Which are, I feel like, a little bit more enjoyable than just... <laughs> it was a little bit more upbeat. Yeah. But it was still the hymns, and I still felt the spirit. And <clears throat> no matter what they said, it couldn't get to me. Like, they said so many things. They know how to hurt me, but it wasn't hurting me. Because I had been so righteous, and I had been so focused on God, God gave me that protection of here's armor they're gonna try poking at you they tried so hard and they're probably one probably the one of the people if not the person if probably not the person who could hurt me the most and they didn't hurt me at all and like they like it was that was i like went out of my room to see like what was happening and then they start like following me into my bedroom and i just loved them i was just no matter how much they try to hurt me i didn't I was just full of love for them, and it was so amazing. Just because that that's such a real power. Yeah, it's such a real power. That's so cool. And like eventually, because nothing was happening, they got frustrated that I was just loving them back. That they just left and cooled down. Yeah. And it, I don't know. It was so eye opening to me. And then I went back to my patriarchal blessing, which talks about how I will, how I will have that armor of righteousness, and it's so real. I still want that more and more in my life. And I'm excited <laughs> to... I leave on a mission in a week. Actually, less than a week. So next... Tw- next Wednesday? What? Next... Five days. Tu- yeah, next Tuesday night, I get set apart as a missionary. But my mission starts next Wednesday. And I'm so excited because I've been... T- I've heard so many times that when you're a missionary, you have that spiritual armor. Especially... Well, two factors. One, because of the calling itself, because you're serving God. But then two, because you're dedicated, because you dedicate so much time to God. You're dedicating your whole life to God, so that opens you up for that gift. That's awesome. So I'm so excited to have that my whole day. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, just as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what we've been talking about and just those those principles. And I was, like, really feeling the spirit just as thinking about just that principle of putting in that spiritual work and all the reward that comes from it. And it's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people have gone through way more than me and you can possibly imagine. (laughs) Way more. (laughs) And so, you know, sometimes it makes me feel kind of just like with this podcast thing, like, oh, do I really have the right to talk to people about a lot of these things? Because like not a lot has happened in my life that's been super hard. But that's kind of the beautiful thing about the gospel is that those principles are always there for everyone. 
and like that's just how you get through the smallest trial to the worst thing you can imagine is just you know looking toward god connecting with the people around you being willing to get out of your comfort zone to serve someone and you know like it's not easy to listen to read your scriptures for a super long time maybe or go serve someone you know it might not be what you want to be doing but it leads to more joy than you can possibly explain to someone which goes back to that lots of what you were talking about how being like jesus is happy and i correct that and i'd say being like jesus is joyful yeah because i feel like there is a clear distinction between happiness and joy joy is happy when you are joyful you are happy it's kind of like the square in a rectangle you can have a square a, a rectangle is a, oh, sorry let's try this again a square is a rectangle but a rectangle isn't always a square mm-hmm. when you are joyful you are happy but when you're happy you're not always joyful i feel like more than not when you when you think of yourself as happy you're not going to be joyful yeah because you're happy in the moment whereas mm-hmm. joyful you don't really think of yourself as happy because you're too focused on the joy but you will be happy also yeah and joy is so i feel like joy is like godly happiness and that doesn't always mean i think i think god always feels joy but he still weeps you know yeah so like so maybe, so maybe it's not like you're always happy but yeah it's, it's like always it's always doing an, what's it's always right. an enjoyable spirit experience yeah because it's joy yeah i don't know <laughs> but like it it invites the spirit and it, it makes it so that god can basically consecrate that um heart experience for your good i love that word consecrate like yeah yeah it like changes it i don't know it's interesting word dedicates kind yeah of. it's cool um i want to talk a little bit about missions uh you mentioned it but um kind of wanted to ask why did you decide to serve a mission i thought about this a lot because i'm headed in less than a week for those of you who don't know i'm headed to stockholm sweden i'll be serving in the swedish language so it should be really fun um i don't have a reason to serve it feels right i've focused my whole entire life on being close to the spirit and the spirit just gives me just tells me that it's right i don't have a if i had to come up with a reason it would be i'm going to show to share god's love with others because i felt his love so strongly but i don't need that reason yeah because i know and it's so i feel like it goes so backwards against what everyone said <laughs> like i feel like missionaries all the time are like you have a you have a reason to go out i've heard this and i think it's a really good advice is once you get on your mission then you have to have a reason to stay on your mission which i think is really cool but i don't know if i'll need that because as long as i'm close to the spirit then i don't need a reason to do anything it kind of gives you reason right? like it yeah, gives you purpose sense. and i'm not trying yeah. to like say that you're I just don't know how to answer your question. No, no, that makes yeah. sense. Because yeah. I don't have a... I don't know. It feels right. Yeah. And I guess... So I'm a very logical person. So I have a really hard time just saying it feels right. That's not how I work. So I've talked... 
I can like explain some reasons, some of the things I've talked myself into to listen to that reason, to mm-hmm. just listen to that feeling. But for example, going on my mission allowed me to go through the temple earlier and it was such a rewarding experience when I went through the temple. Second off, going on a mission helps you become such a better person. Um, I hope to learn a new language and I will be learning a new language and that'll open up my world. That'll open up my mind. That'll help me learn so much better because I focused on memorizing all of those six Swedish has 600,000 words in it. Wow. English, I think only has 350,000. That's crazy. If I remember correctly. Yeah. But just, I'm not going to, I'm, there's no way I'm going to know all those words. I'm going (laughs) to know probably a thousand or more, hopefully at least a thousand by the time I get back. But I'll have to I'll have to memorize a lot of words to be able to speak in the language. Actually, I don't know. Probably yeah. a lot more than a thousand. I have no. <laughs> You'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then the third reason I can think of is it'll teach me so many study skills and it'll help me. Actually, I guess that's. I guess there's a fourth reason. There's study skills and then also learning to connect with God, because. Um, actually this experience, so my parents have always like read like religious stuff and I've just been like, that's not interesting. That's not interesting to me. I don't want to do that. But then I went, to, so we had priest quorum during COVID. The rule was finally like, you can have priest quorum, but it has to be, or like you can meet in person for like Sunday school and priesthood, but it has to be at someone's house. It can't be at the church. Hmm. So one of the priest quorum advisors allowed us to use his house. And I just kept noticing, like, religious books sitting out in his house as if though they were being read. And I'm like, wait, but this is just like a, he's like a 26, 27-year-old. What is he doing? <laughs> and then, like, it, like, hit my mind, like, he went on a mission. I'm like, so that must have, or maybe, maybe he, or maybe he read them when he was my age. I don't, I still have a hard time, like, wanting to sit down and read that. Yeah. But I feel like going on your mission helps you learn how to want to connect with the spirit more yeah that's cool it is interesting because i you know i can't fully explain how i well it's different because i have reasons i guess Mm -hmm. but like i can't explain how right it feels like every time almost every time i see someone open their call i just like the spirit hits me like just right right when they read the where they're going like it already feels right and it's more as you have said who they're serving yeah yeah who's like who they get to go serve basically like i get i don't know like it gets me super excited and i just have so much love for them and i get so excited to see like i don't know but like i just know that they're gonna change so much and they're gonna change so many people's lives and yeah one thing that i want to add to that so i have four older brothers who have served missions and every single one of them one went to kenya africa one went to ecuador that's in south america one went to canada north america (laughs) one went to uh the philippines in asia they've all gone to different continents none of them have been stateside they've all spoken different languages you're going to europe (laughs) yes but before i knew that so yeah, I'm going to Europe. So your sister's going to go to Asia. No, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she wanted me to go to Australia, so she got Europe, but I got Europe. Yeah. <laughs> but um, before I opened my call, the night before I opened my call, I, well, the whole entire time before opening my call, I was fighting 
I don't want to go stateside. Not because anything's bad with it, but I felt like I'd be kind of sh- not shunned, but I'd like I'd be like the joke of the family if oh, I hadn't yeah. gone somewhere foreign. That's how I kind of felt, and I was having a really hard time with it. And I focused so much on the place. I'm like, I don't want to go. For- I don't. I want to go foreign so much. And then the night before, I felt to read my prayer to God blessing, and in there it says, "You have been like blessed with a lot of talents, and you'll use those talents to serve many people." And it hit me. I'm going to serve people. And then I was okay with going stateside. I realized that it doesn't matter where I go. It matters who I'm going to. So then all of a sudden, like, I realized God's preparing people for me. He's already prepared people for me to teach. And it doesn't matter where I go. It matters who I'm going to. And then all of a sudden, okay, I don't care where I go. There are people. God knows what people I need to go to. And I opened my call, and it was so cool to, to after God gave me, I feel like genuinely God gets you to accept an answer, and then he gives you that answer. But he got me to accept going stateside, and then he gave me my wish anyway and said, yeah. I needed you to accept, to understand that you're going to serve people, not a place. Mm-hmm. But then I'll still give you your wish because I love you. Yeah. Which I thought was, was really cool. That's awesome. I don't know how I feel about mine. Mine was weird, but <laughs> <laughs> your dreams it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, dreams about it and whatnot. But um, and then one thing I was thinking about, like you brought up some more like logical reasons for going to. Like I uh, had lunch one time with my dad's mission president, um, and he was talking about how a mission is like it's just all these things like basically you know it rep- it prepares you really well for marriage because you have to learn to be able to get along with someone work together live together mm-hmm. and like lots of stuff like that and you know learning to take care of yourself you know it's like just this ultimate it's like a really really good teaching experience for all those things and then um but just back to the whole you know if you What's the scripture in DNC? It's like if you have a desire to serve, you are called to the work. It's like I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I'm not sure where it is. But um, it, it repeats a few times in the first like few sections of DNC. It does. I think. You're right. No, it does repeat itself a lot. I feel like in 14 and 15, it says it in the end. Yeah, if I remember correctly. But it's it's really cool because it's like just and you know if you have that desire, you know, it's like something you really are able to figure out. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, that's the ultimate determiner, right? So, and it's not all about all those logistical things. Like those things will work yourself themselves out if you're faithful, if you're willing to, like the mission call says, like follow the counsel of your mission president, and then God will bless you with more joy than you've ever experienced. And I think you know, like what what it says in the mission call is super profound. Yeah. So after I opened my call, I felt strongly to ask my oldest brother the oldest brother who went on a mission some advice about my mission and he gave me two pieces of advice he said there is not a he said being exactly obedient doesn't mean you followed all the rules being exactly obedient mean you means you tried to follow all the rules and when you broke one you all kept on trying to follow that rule because he said you're gonna you're gonna you're not you might sleep in a couple minutes you might but he's like, if you're laying in bed and you really want to sleep in and you think, I, I can't do this, 
said, no, you can get up. He said, there is never a rule that you can't follow. And then along with that, the second piece of advice, there is never a person you can't love. Hmm. Cause, uh, yeah. Actually, I don't really have to add on. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, honestly, think about that. Yeah, it's like, it's super cool. Um, One thing I wanted to ask if you could share, just because, like, you were talking about how you're going to share God's love with people. Could you share that, like, EFY experience? Yeah. So, um, I've gone to EFY twice. The second time I went, so it had already been a little bit, I already knew it was kind of happening. But at the very end, you have this, like, fireside the night before you finish. So the final thing you ever you do, except like play games with your company afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> um, after that fireside, you huddled together. Or it's more like a testimony meeting. Lots of people share their testimony. I don't remember. That's not important. I just remember <laughs> at the end, you <clears throat> each of your uh, groups, like your companies, or kind of our families, because you kind of get really close, um, you huddled together in a circle and there are a bunch of circles throughout the whole entire for that time it was like just like a big open space like concrete yeah. but you just there are a bunch of random bunch of circles all the companies all the groups yeah and then you sing the EFY medley which is a sisters in Zion and we'll bring the world's truth and I felt the spirit so strong but even more importantly, I felt God's love. I felt God's love to the point where I was literally shaking. I My body was not convulsing, but I could barely walk. I was crying. I don't, I'm not, lots of people notice. I don't show that much emotion. I show emotion, but like a, like, I don't like hold back emotion, but I don't, I never really show much emotion. That's not me. Yeah. But I was crying like I couldn't stop crying I was crying for probably an hour and a half one of my group was probably like looking at me like what's wrong with him <laughs> but it's because God had given me a glimpse of his love and helped me realize that like that glimpse of his love that was too powerful almost too powerful for my mortal body that I was shaking helped me realize that one um, love is a real power that's not just something fake and two I had the strong impression that that's not even a fraction. That's not even a little portion. That's barely even a portion of his love for me, just for me. If even a tiny little portion of his love just for me, it makes my body almost fall apart because my body can't handle it. Imagine how much love he has for me. And if he has that, and then I have the impression he has that love for everybody. So if he has that love for me and he has that love for everybody, it just is amazing how much you can love. And I always try telling people that I'm a witness now. I'm a living witness because I felt that, that God has so much love for you that no matter what you do, it can't change. It's like the analogy I give, and it's a little weird, but like <laughs> if you have this semi coming at you and this semi is, or if this semi is moving on our street and let's say it's coming fast, but that's God's love for you. And then now say the largest sin you could commit. Let's say you you murdered someone or you committed adultery or something like that. Let's say that was like a little gnat. There's no way that gnat can get in the road and stop that truck. It doesn't. Yeah. It 
it's not it doesn't even like take away a little bit of his love it just doesn't do anything yeah. he just like runs over the net <laughs> it's the same it's his love is just kind of even though you will make decisions and you may not end up living with him again because that's not what you chose to do that's not going to change his love for you yeah because he loves you so much and it's so real and one thought i've had on that is like so that love is always there no matter what you do no matter what happens but he's kind of you know like with the gospel and lots of other things he's given us a guide along the path back to him and if we want to feel that overwhelming love then we have to be on that path so if you're doing things that you know are wrong and you continue sinning and not repenting and like and especially it's if you know that it's wrong then you're not going to have access to feeling that it's still always there and he's always there to embrace you but you're not going to be able to feel it like you mm-hmm. could if you were i feel like part a good analogy for that is looking is using sight for a sun let's say a sunrise let's say it's a permanent sunrise because sunrises move away but yeah. <laughs> um there's a path a path toward heaven let's say the sunrise and a path towards satan let's say the other side of the earth which is not the sunrise yeah (laughs) um but god's love is that sunrise and it's not a perfect analogy but you can feel god's love when you're facing the sunrise when you're facing god when you're walking his direction then you're going to feel his love and you might not even feel it necessarily as strongly because you might have moved away but it's still there and you'll still be able to see it yeah and let's say it's a flat earth okay to make it so you can always oh man (laughs) this is contentious (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to make the analogy fit But you've heard, you guys have probably heard so many times, it doesn't matter where you are, it just matters the direction you're facing. And I feel like that's so true with yeah. feeling God's love and also how much God can help you. Because if you're facing him, then he can help you infinitely. If yeah. you're facing away from him, he can try turning you around. But if you refuse to turn around to him, there's nothing he can do. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's so, uh, like, just the idea of following Jesus like it's literally following him right like and you can't expect to get to where he is with the joy he feels and the you know the god that he has become without literally following him so you have to be turned toward him and make sure to follow him definitely um and then i I really like the idea of um like Christ is only uh, I heard this you know someone shared in one of my podcasts once was like Christ is only an arm's length away because that's as far as we can push him (laughs) (laughs) like that's the furthest he gets from you and if you want his help you just have to reach out right I think that that's really cool I love that he's always wanting to be there next to us yeah (laughs) so um before we close I just wanted to ask if you could if you have any scriptures you wanted to share really bad or anything, and if you could just close with your testimony or anything that you want people to know. I feel like this scripture works really well with what we've been talking about. It's Luke 15, verse 10, in the King James edition of the Bible. For those of you who don't have that, you can hopefully look that up. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I really, really like that because it, I don't know. It goes back to the missionary purposes to help 
bring people closer to Christ. And it talks about how if you only bring one soul closer to Christ, and if that's yourself, then you still succeeded as a missionary. And I feel like that's the same thing here. Not necessarily that saying, I would assume anyone going on a mission is facing the right direction. But anyone, and I feel like it's when it says once one sinner repenteth, it's basically saying when one person turns around and faces God. Hmm. And I feel like if you're going on, so I'm not saying, if you're going on a mission, then you're facing God. And you might have turned around on your mission, you might turn back around, and then you repented. But I feel like it's so amazing to think that all of the angels in heaven cheer when one person it turns around and one person follows God, and one person repents. And that's not just one random person, that's you. Every single time you make a mistake, because each of us is a sinner, but each of us is also, that sounds weird. None of us are sinners, but the, each of us commits sin. Mm, yeah. But when it's saying sinner here, I think it's saying it's committing sins. Yeah, yeah. So every single time, because I commit so many sins, you guys commit so many sins. That's just part of life here. But every single time you commit a sin and then you repent and you turn towards God, every single angel in heaven is cheering for you. Just to think about that. So cool. Saying anything more is just going to complicate things just think about that every yeah. single time you repent every angel we're not yeah every angel and god cheer for you that's so cool and like i've just noticed by living the gospel you can feel so much love for people and you know it's just that small glimpse of what god feels for people what the angels in heaven feel for people and like i was reading this one post from my mission president on like his facebook page he sent like a bunch of missionaries home yesterday like it was time for them to leave and he was saying like i can't explain like my capacity to love people has grown so much as i've been the mission president like i cannot explain how much i love these missionaries and you know it's it's real it's a real power and you can feel it and you can start feeling it for other people once you do what it takes to you know be worthy and you know follow the <laughs> follow the gospel basically definitely so could we just close with your testimony yeah so you kind of, I feel like it's been kind of clear throughout this thing because yeah. I tried letting my testimony shine, but I'll just repeat it one more time for you guys. I know that God loves you guys. I know that God loves me. I know that he loves every single person and nothing, nothing that we can do can change that. I also know that we're put on earth here so that we can come back towards Heavenly Father. And the main goal here on earth is not to follow all the commandments. It's not to follow all these rules. The main goal here on earth is to become like Christ so that we choose to be with Heavenly Father. And all those commandments are in our lives to help us become like Christ. So we need to follow them because every single commandment we follow, we're more like Christ. And Christ wouldn't leave out, and Christ wouldn't leave out an opportunity to become better. So we shouldn't leave out an opportunity to become more, better and more like Christ. And God has living prophets on the earth nowadays and even though what they say may not align with what we want to hear, they're what God knows we need to hear. And so we need to follow them and study their guidance. And also, I'd say, for those of you who are younger, who are still, um, who aren't adults, and even those of you who are adults, your parents love you. And especially yesterday when I went through the temple, my testimony of this grew 
families are ordained of God. They are real. And your parents have a natural love for you that you can't you can't get rid of. Your parents love you. And they're trying to do what's best for you. When they set a rule that seems strict that you don't want to follow, follow it. Because they know what's best for you. Sorry. They are doing what's best for you. And if you think That was weird. And if you <laughs> and if you think that they are setting a rule that it would be detrimental to you, talk to them because they they care about you and ask them. So and come be be humble when you do it, but go up to them and say, "So what's the reason for this rule?" and let them explain it. And if you still feel like that reason isn't necessary, then maybe talk them through and maybe come up with, "So can we maybe like change this up a little bit or something like that?" But always try to be humble. And even and those of you who are adults who are out of the house, maybe even your parents are dead, they're rooting for you in heaven. And if they're still alive, they're still rooting for you now. And they're still going to help you. So I would just trust your parents and love them as much as they love you. At least attempt to. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, let's do another one of these in two years. <laughs> yep. That would be really cool. You're going to have a lot of amazing experiences. But, yeah, you'll be an amazing missionary, and I'm super excited for you. Um, Yeah, and I think people will learn a lot from this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.